My name is Mike, in case you don't know it. You know, we're blessed to be part of a church where on most Sundays we hear the gospel. And our pastors, Sunday after Sunday, exhort us, encourage us to go out that door and to share it with everyone that we come in contact with. Well, the message that I'm going to bring to you today is about the gospel. I'm not going to use my conversion to Christ, my witness, as an example. In fact, I am going to use it, but not for the whole lesson or the whole message. But what I really want to talk about are the mechanics of the gospel. Now, a lot of times we go out and we just share our story. And people are sometimes amazed at the change that takes place, even though they may not have seen the before and after. But I want you to think about this statement. Your witness or story of how Jesus changed your life is the result of the gospel, not the process or the explanation. When you are asked to go out and spread the gospel, the assumption is made that you know the process or the parts of it. As a mechanic type of person, I like to see and understand how things work and how things come together and, and are built. In other words, the steps to build or change something. I often assume that when I talk to people about the gospel, especially fellow believers, they know all those parts and pieces and how to go out and share it. Get your Bibles ready, because I'm going to lead you through some scripture. If you haven't got it in the written word, then get your telephones out and look it up. For many years, Sunday has been and is the best day of the week for me. Now you might think this is because it is a day to go to church and fellowship with my church family and then go home and relax with my family. If that's what you're thinking, you would be wrong. Most of my working life, I worked on Saturdays and many times six days a week. So Sunday was really my day of rest, including football in the fall. The oblong football, not the round football. Okay. How many of you like pro football? You don't have to raise your hand. Good. Most football games are televised on Sunday. And then some, they started with Sunday night. And then they went to Monday night. And then they went to Thursday nights. And I went, Yahoo, this is good. As a redneck, and I am a redneck, I admit it, <laughs> Sunday was NASCAR car racing as this afternoon and football. The time to sit back and watch a car race or a football game admittedly for years, and drink a few beers. 
Do you know which football team has the nickname America's team? The Dallas Cowboys, right. I lived in Texas during the late 60s, and if you weren't a Cowboy fan, you were booted out of Texas to Oklahoma or Arkansas. That was a death word, not, not supporting the Dallas Cowboys. Now again, I know what you're wondering. What does the Dallas Cowboys in football have to do with the message this morning? Have faith and listen to this story. In the winter of 1986, the Dallas Cowboys were suffering one of their first losing seasons since they started playing professional football. Tom Landry was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys and I had always admired Tom Landry because no matter how poor they were playing, he was always cool, calm, and collected. Now, me, when something's not going right in a football game or a car race, I'm jumping up and down and I'm hollering at the TV. And to this day, my wonderful wife looks at me and says, Michael, and she uses the word Michael, it's only a game, which makes me even hotter to think about it that way. During halftime of one of these football games in the, in the winter of 1986, when things were not going right and all for the Dallas Cowboys, Tom Landry came on TV as a commercial, basically, and said, is there something missing in your life? And if there is something missing in your life, then call this telephone number, an 800 number, and we will send you this little book called Power for Living. This little book right here, free of charge. No attachments, no nothing, no, we're not going to contact you later or anything else. Frankly, yes, there was something missing in my life, Jesus Christ. And I didn't know it, but I called that phone number and asked for that book. You see, I was 39 years old, prior military, divorced twice, workaholic, father of eight children. When not working, I searched for excitement in racing cars, running wild white water, watching sports, and anything else that I could do to get some excitement. This book, Power for Living, included testimonies from celebrities who became Christians and other content about arguing for the Christian faith. And I looked at the book, and there was Roger coach, one of the quarterbacks for the Dallas Cowboys, Janet Lynn, skater, um, Chuck Colson, other business people. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. If these people who have everything, fame, glory, money, why do they need Christ? What's, what's the attraction? And so I thought, well, if they, you know, have got Christ, maybe that's something I better look into. 
I read that book and walked two doors down the street to my neighbor friend Jim, who I knew went to church. Didn't know what the name of the church was, didn't know what denomination it was, but I, I thought, well, maybe that's a starting point. Go to church. And it didn't happen. A few months later, I asked him again, could I go to church with him? And he said, well, yeah, you can. But, you know, this Wednesday night, there's a small Bible study going on. And if you'd like to go with me to that Bible study, you're more than welcome. I went to that Bible study. It was the driest subject I've ever heard in my life about the Bible. It was the dispensational timeline of God. Always was, is, and will be. And I looked at that, and I looked at that timeline, and I thought, okay, that kind of makes sense, and watching through it. But something was happening to me that night that I didn't realize what was going on. I felt something. I felt different about what's happening. So the next evening, Jim, my neighbor, came over with the pastor of a little church called Valley Bible Fellowship, who led that class on Wednesday night to talk to us, talk to me. Side note, Valley Bible Fellowship was also a church that Pastor Terry went to. And he and I crossed paths briefly as he was leaving, and I started there. Now begins the rest of the story in the mechanics of the gospel. And I'm going to tell you exactly what he did to lead me to Christ. And he was leading me. But he did it in such a way as a mechanical type of person, as a, as a race car mechanic and stuff like that, I understood what he was talking about. The first thing he said, Mike, do you believe in God? I said, yeah, I believe there is a God. I believe in God. Now, being raised in the Lutheran church, married to a first wife who was Catholic and went to the Catholic church, I knew there was God. He said, if you were to die tonight, do you think you would go to heaven or to hell? And I said, I think I'd go to heaven. And he said, why? Well, I believe in God. I believe there's a God, and I'm basically a good person. I haven't killed anybody or anything. And he says, have you read the Bible, and do you believe it's God's word? And I said, well, I tried to read the Bible three or four times, but it's a really hard book to read. By the time you get two, two chapters into it, it's a whole bunch of begots and stuff like that, and it didn't make sense to me. But I, I do believe it's God's word. Now, as a young guy coming out of the military and starting to work in a garden retail business, I did not know the difference between a fuchsia basket and a fig tree. And my manager came to me and said, now when people ask you a question and you want to give them the answer, take the book, Western Garden book, look it up, 
and you guys read it together. And it makes sense to it. So, he grabbed his Bible and he opened it up and we started looking at scripture. Now I'll give you a hint. Before you share the gospel with somebody quietly or you have that opportunity, ask the Lord to put the right words in your mind and in your mouth because God knows what those people need to hear. So turn to Romans 3.10. And he says, I want to show you something here. And so I had my Bible there and I opened it up to it. And Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. In other words, nobody not one is righteous enough to go to heaven. Then take and turn just a little bit further to Romans 3.23. And 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Every one of us. And so chasing it a little bit further, Turn to Romans 6, 23. And in 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Granted, I got that. I'm okay. I'm following what he's saying with it. So then he flips me back a little bit in the Bible to 5.8 in Romans. Verse 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's hard sometimes to, con you know, to get that into your head a little bit and say, well, Christ died 2,000 years ago, and I'm here now. But he died for my sins, even back then. Now you've got to move forward a little bit more to Romans 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Ooh. Now that, that's pretty easy to understand as a non-believer in the, the world up to this point, I believe there's no free gift. You had to do something. You had to work for it. You had to pay for it. You had to help somebody and then they helped you back and whatever. No strings attached here. As a salesman, I thought the same thing. Well, I've got to sell this idea to somebody. 
Then move forward just a little bit to Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the, on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. 13. Pardon me for messing my ethics and stuff with my new teeth. Back up a little bit now to Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the, in this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Lastly, Romans 8, 1. There is... Therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're all sinners, but we don't have to pay the price because Jesus paid that price for us. Listening to this Pastor Schufeld, who passed away four months after this he says Mike would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now what do you think I said yes. absolutely I want it and I want it right now now you have been led down what they call Romans Road and this was the road that I traveled to give my life to Jesus 35 years ago. Understand there are several ways to explain the gospel. But I really like this way of doing it because it is God's word and not the word of Mike that you're listening to. You're seeing what is written right here in front of you. You may have to bounce around which is a little bit tough because we think when you read a book, you read it from the first page to the last page. And in a lot of cases, the scripture is not in that same order. Here are three points I want you to remember as I close. Remember Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Focus on the word proclaim. What does that mean? Speak it. Teach it. Talk about it. It's not sell it, convince people, or beat people down with the gospel. Proclaim it. Share it. Explain now, have you ever had a problem with sharing the gospel? I have. Like someone thinking you're a Jesus freak? 
And what I think about that is I, I listen to pastors talk about when they go traveling in a place like that, they're on an airplane, and they sit down next to somebody, and they said, you know, what do you do? Well, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. Conversation stops right there. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want you preaching in my ear or sharing anything with me or anything else. There's also the fear of your message being rejected. Have you ever missed the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody? I have, and I regret it. My brother, my only sibling, four years younger, I kept telling my wife, I'm going to go up to Vancouver and share the gospel with him. I gave him a Bible. That's as close as I got to it. And then 10 years ago, he passed away. And I go, crap. I should have shared the gospel with him. I should have given him the opportunity that I had to accept Christ. And I didn't. Remember, the gospel is not all about you. So if you don't close the deal, if you don't hear somebody pray the prayer that accepts Christ, that's not up to you. Your responsibility is to sow the seed. And we know what it says in the Bible about where the seed can fall, on what kind of ground, and the seed may not grow. That is not up to you. Mark 16, 15 says, go proclaim it. Go share it with everybody. Now think about this. God doesn't need us to share the gospel or do anything because he's all powerful. He doesn't need us to do that. But God wants to have a relationship with us and be his partner in people coming to Christ. It's an incredible blessing that brings tears to my eyes when I think back at the people who accept Christ in front of me and pray that prayer. You just want to jump up and down and raise your hands and shout for joy because that person has an opportunity to love the Lord, to work for the Lord, to do everything that I have for the Lord. And I will share them with them the rest of eternity. When I say that God wants to have a relationship with us and to be his partner, I want you to break that word partner down. The first part of that word is part. You have a part to do with the gospel, and that's sharing it. Now, you may disagree with the partnership statement, but I want to give you an example. If you turn to Genesis 2.19, right at the beginning of the word, it says, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man, Adam, to see what he would call them. 
And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Now, God's part here was to create the beast. And that's supernatural. Adam's part is to name them. And that's not supernatural. But that's his part. Our part is never supernatural. But we do have a part to do. During praise and prayer this morning, our part is to pray. God's part, supernaturally, is to heal, to love, to do everything in his power for those people. We can't do it. We're not supernatural. But we do have a part to accomplish. There is nothing you can do to save a person for Christ. You may take and pull your heart out for them. Whether it is somebody who's in a warming shelter or wherever, you want them to come to Christ. But you cannot do it. You can only do your part in sharing the gospel. Now, I mentioned earlier, at least I thought I did, but my notes say I didn't. What you believe determines where you spend eternity. What you believe determines it. And it is black and white. It's either heaven or hell. But what you believe determines that. Now, what you believe determines what you do. If you believe in the gospel and you hear the, the command to go and proclaim it, what should be the result? If you are a married person and you believe the marriage relationship is a pure relationship, then you don't go out and chase around because your belief is set firm. I believe this. Number two, what's the most important decision a person needs to make in their life? Think about that statement, what you believe determines where you spend eternity. Leading someone to Christ can come in many different ways and with no time limits. As an example, by the way we live. When I ran Albany Rifle and Pistol Club, it just so happened that two guys at different times, both by the name of Mike, came to me and said, there's something different about you. Can you talk to me about that? Can you explain it to me? You don't get angry, you don't get upset, you deal with all the issues and on and on and on. I didn't think I was doing that, that's just the way I live which is not the way I lived before Christ. Tom Landry, with this book, someday I'm going to meet him in heaven and I'm going to tell him thank you. But he didn't know that. He didn't know there was Mike McCarter out there and Mike McCarter needed to hear this story, read these names, and accept Christ. We don't know about it. Um, your kindness to somebody. 
just a simple statement to somebody. The other day I was up at Staples having some print things done and the gal behind the counter was just getting harassed. I mean, she, you could see it. She was stressed out. And every time somebody said something to her, she would kind of cringe. Her name is Jennifer. And she came up to the counter and asked me if she, you know, if she could help. I said, Jennifer, I see that you're buried with all these things going on. Don't lose your joy. Don't lose your joy. Now, I don't know if she's a believer or not a believer. But now the next time I go down there, and when I went there to pick up my stuff, I had a note thanking me to Mike. The next time I go there, maybe we can talk a little bit about the Lord if she doesn't know the Lord. So you don't know. If you have somebody that comes to you, and an incredible opportunity is to pray with them if they've got a problem. It opens that door up. And again, you don't have to beat them over the head with the gospel, but you can share it with them. You do not know how or when your witness might lead somebody to the cross. And that's God's supernatural timing. For some of you guys who met my old hunting buddy, John, who was knocked down with a, with a stroke, but still he lived to hunt. And I would take him hunting with me and we'd ride around there and that guy would get so excited when he saw an animal. He would scream inside the, the truck and whatnot, stop, stop, there's a coyote. John, I'm not hunting coyotes, okay? But he just loved it. I witnessed to John for 30 years before he accepted Christ. And you know what? When he accepted Christ, he came to me at the church that we were at over in Salem. And he says, I went to pastor, can't even remember his name now, and told him I wanted to accept Jesus into my life. And so he shared the prayer with me. Now, did I close the deal? No. Did I get a chance to see that joy? No, but I was happy for him. Amen. Amen. With it. Now, once you go down through Romans Road, and as a salesman going through Dale Carnegie, and they asked me, Do you want to be an instructor and stay here and teach? No. Not my deal. Sorry. They talk about closing the deal on every sales, asking the question. Would you like to buy this now? Or can I order it for you? We could have it here next week or whatever the case. Remember, this is not a sales pitch. It's not all about you. I could say, you don't get a commission off this. But I'd be lying. Because someday in heaven, there is a crown for those who share the gospel and lead people to Christ. And it's not a crown for me. It's a crown that I can turn around and lay at Jesus' feet because I have nothing else to give him. So don't, don't be afraid to say, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now? And you might be surprised. 
Somebody may be at that point. But you know, on the other hand, they might sit and dwell on it for 30 years. And at some particular point, it clicks with it. Just like it clicked with me. Why did God wait 35 years through all the issues and problems and turmoil and, and heartache to lead me to Jesus Christ? Don't know. God's timing. Just like right now. At 75 years old, when your friends are passing away, you go, why are you leaving me here? Don't know. But I'm going to take advantage of it and do everything I can for you. Point three. A new believer is a babe in Christ. I see one of the biggest mistakes we make in leading people to Christ as we let them go. Okay, I shared the prayer. Okay, they accepted Christ. Here's the Bible. What happens now? When a baby is born, it's just the beginning of teaching and learning. 35 years ago, as a new babe in Christ, I thought, well, I'm excited. I've got to share this with everybody. Oh, I don't care. And they'd ask questions. I don't know the answer, but that's what happened to me. And that's the way I would do it. And then as life went on, as years went on, I started learning more, just sitting in church, talking to people, Bible studies and stuff. And then finally, a man came up and said, would you like to be discipled? Yes, I want to know. Because one of those hang-ups about sharing the Gospels, what if somebody asked me a question and I don't know the answer to it? With knowledge, you feel comfortable. You feel confident in it. So it says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of this age. Mark says, share the gospel. Matthew, Jesus said, go and share and make disciples. A disciple, somebody to carry on, somebody to emulate you, to take the gospel to other people. Not just take and put it in their head and their heart and leave it right there and they go on. So we have a commandment to go out there and help them grow. So don't let them go. Help them get plugged in. Help them get plugged into a church. Help them come to a Bible study whatever you can do and if you really want to step out say would you like to meet once a week and we'll go through scripture and I'll disciple you that's a commitment on your part with, and that's a hard commitment just like it is to lead a bible study on a weekly basis it's a commitment here's the final step 
we talked about praying with them. I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want you to listen to it carefully because this prayer basically says everything that I talked about this morning except for football or car racing or whatever. So pray with me, if you would, please. God, I know I am a sinner, and the wages of sin are death. I believe that you sent my son, Jesus Christ, sent your son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for my punishment. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and profess my faith for salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for your grace, forgiveness, peace, and the gift of eternal life. Amen.